it's Tracy Tully and you're listening to Tracy Tully Talks at bbsradio.com, the place to be right now, streaming live with another 60 minutes of thought-provoking topics, sharing with you conversations that are relevant today, tomorrow and in the future. Join me each week on Thursday mornings at 10am Australian time, AEST, 5pm Wednesday PT, hello Los Angeles. If you miss the live show, jump onto your favourite podcasting platform and you'll find me on Tracy Tully Talks. We do have some adult language, so if you have some little ones around, pop on your earphones. Hello and welcome again to everyone out there who's listening to Tracy Tully Talks and I'm Tracy, your hostess with the mostess today. And today I'm introducing are some of the ladies who are co-authors in the book Asian Women Boss Up. So that's a co-author book. And last week we showcased some of the, the co-authors and this week we have another four ladies. So we have Mary D. and Mary D. is the joy catalyst and she's a speaker, author and business advisor. We have Sabrina Runbeck. And Sabrina is the queen of performance and positivity, empowering health practice professionals. We also welcome Vivian here today. Vivian de Guzman, she's a number one money magnet activator and business intuitive coach. And Viva Sharma, welcome Viva. Viva is a spiritual coach and she's the number one best-selling author and the San Francisco chapter chair for mindfulness. So today we have a powerful group of businesswomen from, um, from America here with us today. And so, Viva, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, nice to meet you, Tracy. It's lovely to meet you, Viva. <laughs> We're going to go around the room and I'm going to get each person to tell us about themselves. Would you like to go first? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, Like you know, I, my name is Viva Sharma. I'm a holistic spiritual uh, mindful leadership and mental fitness coach and I have uh, entrepreneurs and also individual and corporate clients and fortune 500 companies in US and I help them rise above the stress conflict doubt and limitations and uh, help them improve performance relationship conflicts uh, parenting by helping them change their they they function on deeper level because when they change their own relationship with, the, with themselves, they change everything outside. So that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot in there, though, isn't there? <laughs> Thank you, Viva. Uh, Sabrina, would you like to tell us a bit about your journey? Thank you so much for having us here. And all the women here are so amazing. I'm so fortunate being in the room, be co-authoring. I am someone who really the only girl in the family. I'm the only child. So from an Asian family, it's always like, eh, girls, you, you, you got a good, great, good job, you're fine. And I choose to go into medicine and to choose to do one of the most intensive field of heart and lung surgery. And people thought I was crazy. And so two bachelor degree, two master finally got into one of the best heart and lung surgery center in the U.S. and really in the world because people fly to us to see us. And then I feel like, hey, I got it. But if I got it, I better show up. 
So that means I start working more than 80 hours a week, constantly on call. I will book a case 7 p.m. to just start tomorrow and then end up one month. I was in the hospital 29 days straight. And my patient remembers when I'm actually coming in to say hello. And then one morning, I just so exhausted, can hardly move. My body feels weak, and then my hands are even cramping. And it wouldn't be so bad if I have the day off, but I was scrubbing with my hands inside my patient's open chest. And I can barely remember how I finished that case. And my nurses even took pity on me and passing Dayquil and cough drops just so I can survive. But the next morning when I woke up, covered with sweat, and realized, oh, Sabrina, you can't do this anymore. Call out sick. The first time in my professional life, I allowed myself to take a break. Now, this is not unique. Many of us, women, men, doesn't matter. The high ambitious people, right? We feel like we have to put all the weight on our shoulder. We are the ones who can truly make that change. And then we start saying yeses to the things that truly rob our sanity, our energy, and precious time. And I had to get to that point to realize when people see me as a number, see me just have to therapy delivery instead of human being, I did this to myself. So I went back to my root in neuroscience, public health, dug out my own thesis and learned from all other amazing performers and coaches, psychologists, and came up with my six-step system. Now I help private practice healthcare preneurs, their owners, to be able to increase their productivity, save at least four hours of work so they can gain more freedom without losing control and truly have that double win in healthcare and in their life. Wow, that's a, that's a big, big job you have there. And uh, so you're not a, a practicing doctor anymore, is that correct? I am still practicing surgically, but and then I cut down my hours and now I'm able to become an international keynote speaker and consultant with these different groups. Excellent. Thank you so much then, Sabrina. Hello, Vivian. I see you're in the room. How yes. are you? Lovely Great. to see you. Tracy, thank you so much for having us today. I am honored to be here with a bunch of lovely ladies that are making a huge difference in the world. So um, they call me the number one money magnet activator, which means all of us have the capacity to make money, except sometimes we don't allow ourselves to be. <laughs> so um, I have been actually a holistic physical therapist, just like Dr. Sabrina, right? And um, I was practicing in medicine, had my Ooh, warning sign for a stroke, wherein my whole right side of my body suddenly became kind of like not working, not functional. So at that time, that was my wake up call, right? The two by four from the universe saying, what are you doing with your life? Do something else. <laughs> so that was my aha moment. And then I realized that I had to bring back because I kind of abandoned them, these spiritual gifts that I have my ability to see the body in 5D. So like, like a human MRI, you know, like a medical intuitive. And then I realized that aside from having that talent and gift, 
I could actually see what are the obstacles for people to allow money into their lives. So it could be in the physical plane, in the emotional plane, it could be in the relationship arena, because a lot of us have some kind of a messed up relationship with money, unfortunately, right, with abundance, and also in the spiritual plane. So when you're able to actually find out your own path and purpose, and really live that path, no matter what everybody says, no matter what your family says, even if you're completely different from everyone else, which is great, because we all have our unique differences, we are able to express the genius of who we are and allow ourselves to serve those who are looking for this kind of help. So I have noticed that a lot of people's illnesses and sickness is just because they're not truly living their path and purpose. Just like what Dr. Sabrina said, right? Like, the universe will hit you in the head and say, wake up. What are you doing with your life? And that's part of the awakening process. We all go through it if we're really going to be true to who we truly are. We awaken, then we discover, right, through all these different journeys and connections. And finally, when you surrender, you can be in the flow. That's the key to a really fulfilled life. And so I wanted to share my magic with people because when you are in the flow and you're living in your purpose, the universe brings you exactly what you need, exactly what you want with ease. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be a struggle. I think we were all programmed and conditioned to do that. So I help people clear their obstacles, especially if you're an entrepreneur, right? It's like, it doesn't have to be the long cut. You can have a shortcut if you allow it to be. <laughs> Ease, grace, and flow is my motto. And uh, I, I would be very grateful and happy to serve those who are willing to really step into their path and purpose. That's wonderful to hear that. It's interesting because I was reading last night, uh, getting ready for my newsletter, and I was reading about something called your RAS. And the RAS is called the reticula reticular activating system. Mm -hmm. And I was very, very interested in reading about that. And it's like a little, little flip on switch mm -hmm. that if you are open to opportunities and getting out of your comfort zone, and you're open-minded, and you try different things, then that brings to you better opportunities. And it's like this aha moment. I thought, of course, because it does work, doesn't it? Because <laughs> you can receive, right? Like money yes. is a receiving issue because people think they have to work hard to get ahead. I mm. can tell you from experience, like I said, the less I actually worked hard, the more the universe brings to me what it is, what's the next step? What is it that's needed, right? So it's so interesting and fascinating how that is. If we can be a little bit more relaxed rather than stressed out all the time, you'll notice that you can just surrender and just uh, allow life in, into your life. <laughs> it's fascinating. <laughs> Thank you so much, Vivian. Mary D, how are you? Lovely to see you again. And Mary, well. would you like to share with everyone your journey in uh, business? Of 
Absolutely. Thank you so much, Tracy, for the work you do in the world, because it's on these kind of platforms that we really get to make the most magic. And I'm pinching myself right now because I'm here with all of you beautiful magic makers. And it fills my heart that everyone here is doing the work that really matters, work that really makes an impact, the kind that counts the most. So thank you for being a conduit for that. Uh, I'm known as the Joy Catalyst because I sprinkle happy dust on everyone I meet. I'm an international keynote speaker for audiences that want to be inspired, a mentor and a business advisor specializing in leadership and operations efficiency. My passion is in helping others turn their pain into purpose. I'm also the creator of Mad Loveology Retreats, which are designed to spark and deepen connection, confidence, and most importantly, to help people transform their pain into purpose. If any of you are ready to transform that pain into purpose, then you can check out the link in my bio. You can register uh, for a free day, five-day challenge. We do those so that everyone can uh, be involved and everyone has access. I'm also a breast cancer survivor. I decided to heal holistically after a double mastectomy, and that journey has come full circle because now I sit as the chair of the board for thebreasties.org. It's a community of young women affected by breast and reproductive cancers, and we bring them support, resources, and lots of love through connection. You can also look for my new book, Just Eat the Cake, a recipe for living a life of joy and courage. That will release in May of next year, but is available for pre-order now. And with that, Tracy, I'm going to hand the mic back to you and just, again, give you just so much gratitude and love for the work that you're doing in the world. Thank you so much, Dean. It's lovely to have you on board. And uh, I have heard Dee speak, and she's a powerful, powerful speaker. But let's hear more from everyone. So we have co-authors here, and this is the second session of co-authors that have joined us here on Tracy Tully Talks. And their book is called Asian Women Who Boss Up. And so there's obviously a backstory to every one of those authors who have contributed to this book. And I'm really keen to find out more about um, your determination, your conviction, and the reasons why you chose this co-author book to star in. And I wonder if we could start with you, please, Abiba. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so what happened, Tracy, you know, it was uh, my second book. I was not even thinking about it. And uh, I was presented with this opportunity, one of the person, our friend, common friend, and most of us who are here was invited by her. Her name is Didi Wong, and she's my friend. And she reached out to me in September that uh, we have this opportunity. At that time, I just had my first book my own first book, and it's called Turn Within, Reconnect with Your Inner Peace and Well-Being. So in August, I released my first book in in September or first week of October. She reached out to me uh, for about this opportunity, and she said, this is another opportunity for you. She read my book, and she gave me a very good review, and she said, uh, would you be interested? Because, um, and I said, I don't know. I just had my first book just, just a month ago. <laughs> but then I, uh, she introduced me to Tam, the project leader of this uh, project. And I talked to her and back and forth. I was, and then she introduced me to all these amazing lady, ladies. And uh, then I said, yeah, I, something felt right. And I jumped and, you know, here we are, you know, and I'm so glad I did. And it was easy. And she made the process so effortless. It was just not like writing a book. 
it was just a journey. We mm-hmm. talked and we just talked and there was, we had our chapter. So it was easy. It was such a fun journey. That's lovely to hear. So tell me, you're, you're writing in an exclusive book to Asian women. Could you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, sure. Actually, I'm from uh, originally from India. Uh-huh. So, and um, uh, and uh, I came to US. Uh, um, it's a long story. I don't know where to start. <laughs> and but definitely, I'm I'm from India originally from India and settled in US. I came to US after marriage. Uh, it was arranged marriage, and after a couple of weeks of marriage, I moved to US. And uh, here I, because when you come to US because of visa restrictions, you are not allowed to work immediately. I had a lot of time at hand and I, I was uh, every reader of books and I love reading spiritual and self-development books all throughout my life. So I had a lot of time aside reading again. And also I loved reading spiritual books and I was born and brought up in a family where we were exposed to spiritual side of life at early age. I saw my parents reading spiritual books, going to spiritual gatherings and taking us along. And, and I, you used to make it, you know, but when you're a kid, uh, you don't take it seriously. But uh, again, I knew about it. And when I came to U.S., I was reading a lot of spiritual books and self-development books and uh, metaphysics, quantum physics, law of attraction. And I love reading, applying those laws and sharing with family and friends. And I loved it. And then I, uh, and one day I decided, you know, what if, you know, I do it to help other people full time? What is one thing that I can do all day long and it doesn't feel like work? So I, uh, I can read, I can apply those principles and share with other people to help solve uh, all kinds of problems. So, and then, which led me to ultimately become a full-time holistic spiritual and mindfulness coach. Great. Thank you. That uh, is a a huge journey of study, so to speak, as well, isn't it, that you've been been doing as a child with your mentors, your parents, and then your your cultural um, norms that are coming there. Thank you. Sabrina, can you tell us about your journey? Yes, I, as I was mentioned, I'm the only child and some people can tell, some people think I'm the oldest because I have the tendency of just very bold, know what I want, but also take care of my close inner circle of people. And I grew up thinking that I felt the sense of I need to compete with people around me, especially my siblings. When my mom came to the U.S., I followed her a few years later. At the time, I actually flew across the ocean, right? These 8,000 miles and more by myself. I didn't even thought about anything. Just like any kids, right? They going down a ski slope, no one has a fear. And then once we grow older, somehow the sense of fear captivating us. And we feel like... We have to show up very differently to prove who we are. And that's what a lot of time in positive psychology, we call that the master of judge, right? And I call that my itty bitty shitty committee of a know-it-all. And then the know-it-all always judging for 
How come you do this so slowly? Oh my gosh, you could have operated more. You,、uh, the pre-op taking too long,、uh, and the patient stay in the hospital. Why are we discharging? And it's constantly on of thinking. How do I improve myself to make sure I get to certain mark? And then what happens is we're so good at doing, but we're still wearing that busyness as a badge of honor. And then is what we're not doing the right thing. We're simply busy for the sake of busyness, and then we lose control of what is truly in our desire. Just like we've said, what can you actually do that's in the natural flow that you're good at, but not just what you're good at, but you also. Enjoy of all the moment because if it's just what we're good at but we don't enjoy, then we start procrastinating. There's no motivation to do. But if it's just something we enjoy doing but we're not good at, then we start be distracted, right? Falsely believe that we have something going for us. Then you cost so much more time to do it instead of delegating. Then you actually lower the value of your own time energy. And then we're killing our sanity and feeling like we didn't produce the result that we wanted. And to truly get to down the point of desire zone and not going to the distraction, disinterest, or even the dead zone. And my clients do this too. List all the things that you did for the last week. How long it took you? Did you enjoy it? And were you really good at it? Make sure you tick all this mark. And then I, what I see is a half the sheet. There's no check mark on either one of them, and then there's a quarter of one check mark. Very seldomly are having double check mark. Now we figure out how to create a focus funnel, right? Number one is eliminate. I always say it, you have to say powerfully to a yes, and you feel so good at, and then also powerfully say no because every no is a new. Opportunity, and then it's creating this automation system. You don't have to think about. No one on your team need to think about. It's being done, and then it's going to delegate. We have to delegate to elevate. You have to trust yourself. Give up the controlling tendency. Give up the thing that you judge yourself for having to be done at certain points, certain way, and certain perfectionism, the stickler of you. To actually be okay, because you allow other people's talent to shine and not diminishing them. And then when it comes down to us, is that something that will produce your time and long-term result, or is going to rob your time? Because even five minutes, all those five minutes, they add up. Right, be realistic about who we are. So then we, and that is how I talk so much about productivity. And it's not just having the system by removing some of the sabotaging tendencies that we have. Then we feel like icky about, and to truly live into our own path, our own desire, and not allow other people to say, "Oh, you're women, you're too young," and then.、Um, To say that our job doesn't matter or who we are, if we don't allow other people to dump poison to us, and then you can just leave those gifts at the front door, and then you just let them blow away. <laughs> Great, thank you, Sabrina, Vivian. Your journey. What what brought you to be a co-author in this book, Asian Women Bossa? Thank you for asking, Tracy. So again, Didi Wong. Common friend of ours invited us, and she's like, "Would you like to write a book?" And I was looking at like, okay, how many books have I written? <laughs> I believe this is my fifth 
book. So it's the third co-authored book. Um, my solo books were uh, Awaken Your Medical Intuition for Healthcare Professionals, because I was trying to help those doctors, therapists, because I was one myself, right? How did I wake up and, and figure out that I have these special gifts to share with others? And then last year, I released the other book, Money Blocks, um, the, the eight steps to get to six figures in 90 days or less in any economy. So when Didi said, would you like another book? I go, sounds good. <laughs> but my intention was like, wow, it might be fun to connect with other Asian women who also boss up. So it just sounded good. You know, the title sounded good. And then I really wanted to look for these conscious leaders in the Asian space, because obviously I'm Filipina and we did not come from a family of entrepreneurs. So here I am, you know how, when you don't have a role model, because they're all employees, right? But I've been an entrepreneur for like a long time ago, since 2008. I said, I think I need another group, you know, a bunch of us women that also know how to boss up. So of course I said, yes. And here we go, right? And then in the in the past, I would always kind of hide, you know, how when you become an author, you actually have to show up, right? You actually have to shine because you're published everywhere in Amazon and in other international, in different countries. So, and, and, and I know I've done that before, but you know how you kind of like show up and then you hide again, you show up and hide again. And I said, okay, enough with the hiding because I can't help anybody. <laughs> You have to show up in your life in order to produce the results that you'd like to have. But you know how a lot of people have this misperception or misconception about power. Your power is your ability to just show up, right? Live life uh, in your terms fully. So when this showed up for me, I said yes to it. And it was very seamless. Like I said, uh, Viva said that uh, Tam, look, had the staff. For, to, to really allow us to shine. And so through the friendships that were held in the container, it was fascinating because I did meet a, a lot of these beautiful ladies that are doing amazing things in the world. So as I activate people's money flow, right, you got to surround yourself with the right people. Otherwise, unfortunately, their stuff kind of rubs off on you. I teach a lot about energetic boundaries and we have the biggest one is spiritual, right? And then we have the relationship. We have emotional boundaries and we have physical boundaries. So we always think of money as it's just one thing physical. That is not true at all. No. When a person, an entrepreneur or any kind of profession, if you're not in alignment with who you truly are, unfortunately, the money becomes an issue. It becomes a conversation. It becomes something to solve rather than for it to come to you with ease, if that makes sense. Yes. So the alignment comes with ease, grace, and flow. Because if you're pushing it, right, the universe will bring you something that says, what are you doing? Because it's not how that works. <laughs> so I teach people a lot about that. Like, why don't you just be happy? Just like Sabrina said, you got to be having fun when you're doing what you're doing. Because otherwise, 
you know how a kid gets whatever usually they want, what they wish for? It's like, I would like to have a pony on my birthday, something like that, right? And somehow it shows up magically. Sometimes it's not from your parents. It comes from somebody else. But that's the universe delivering it to you because you're welcome to receive. And you're not trying to be picky, right? It has to show up like this. And on this particular time and date, I think people have used their mind somehow in different ways that are not very useful for them at times because they're so picky. I was like, I thought you were asking for something. Why are you so picky about every single detail? So manifestation is easy if you could just relax. If you could just be, you know, you're doing the work at the same time, you invite people into your fold, so to speak. You're not forcing anything because by virtue of frequency, if they resonate with you, they will call you anyway. Literally, they will book an appointment with you. <laughs> they would, you know, call you, you know, see you somewhere. It's, it's a frequency issue. So when you're saying one thing, but you're thinking and feeling something else, unfortunately, it doesn't quite work. Like that's how you can mess up the manifestation part. So the easiest way is when you ask for it, you're truly ready to receive it and you're not expecting, how is it going to show up? What, when is it going to show up? You just receive. And it's so interesting. Sometimes I have mastered this so much that I'm just thinking of something and then the next day it's here. I'm like, whoa, that was kind of fast. <laughs> so the less resistance we have, in those energetic fields, in those boundaries, the easier it is to manifest. Literally, it's like so quickly. And so I tell people, I think they're afraid of their power because they know when they think of something and then they wish for something and the emotion is very positive, it just glides with it, right? It comes. That's really the truth about that. So um, I hope that helps the viewers because you don't have to be sick, right? Sometimes, though, we like drama, we like emergencies. And so we start with that and then we go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's not going to work. And then we change. And here comes the transformation in a beautiful package. And that is all of us. We all Thank come you. with you. Thank you very much, Vivian, for sharing your journey for, to um, become a co-author again for this book. Mary D., can you please share with us today what was it that attracted you to be a co-author of Asian Women, Bossa, this particular book? Yes. Well, obviously I met one of the first qualifications, which is that I'm Asian. <laughs> so that was helpful, helpful that, uh, you know, I'm talking to my demographic here. But uh, really it was actually through connection, Tracy. I mean, we all hear this phrase of your network is your net worth and uh, that, you know, connection is the key. And it's so true. I was on a show called The Tao of Self-Confidence uh, put on by Sheena Yapchan. It's actually an award-winning podcast today. Uh, she had me on years ago. I was literally like one of the, like one of her first like 200 guests or something like that. And very early in her show, and she only interviews Asian women. So come full circle, she is part of this project. She knows Dee Dee. She knows some of the other ladies in the crew. And she calls me and she says, Mary, she goes, I know I haven't talked to you in a while, but I have never forgotten you. I've never forgotten your story. It was so powerful. And I have a few slots open in this book and I really think you should be one of them. And 
that was the beginning of it for, you know, Vivian speaking my language over here about life and flow, because uh, one thing I like to share with people is that if you follow human design at all, like my design is a projector and I'm supposed to wait for the invitation. So for me, I'm often being presented with something and then I choose whether to take that route or not. And so this was one of the very easy hell yes moments because just a few years before, uh, when I was coming out of a breast cancer diagnosis, I went to a retreat, which Vivian, and as you would say, it showed up for me because I was in no position to really go off to Hawaii to this, you know, find your purpose retreat. And when I did, I ended up getting gifted the retreat, the, the, the people running it called me and said, you know, we know you've actually done events for a long time. We'd love for you to actually just come evaluate. And why don't you just even participate if you'd like? And I was like, okay, wait, you're going to, you're going to bring me to Hawaii. You're going to put me up for seven days in a mansion on the beach. Uh, sure. I mean, was there a hesitation? No. And my husband even laughed. He goes, I knew it. He goes, I knew that was going to happen for you. He's like, you're so good at just these things just manifesting. And I laughed and I said, hey, you know what I've learned? Religion has disappointed me many times, but God never has. I do not limit what I think God can do. And she has always over delivered for me when I surrender to the flow. And that's been just a, a, definitely a beautiful theme in my life. And so that's actually how I was able to come and be part of the project. And it's such a beautiful time because the connections I've made and just the opportunities that we've been able to have. And then obviously with times being what they are. And with some of the uh, unfortunate Asian violence that's going on uh, around the world, like we're so timely because we're, you know, a group of Asian women who, if you, if you, if you believe any of the minority myth, you're like, oh, they're the quiet, smart ones hanging out in the background. If any of you have been listening, Sabrina is not, she's not shy. (laughs) I'll tell you like it is. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful to be surrounded by these strong, beautiful entrepreneurs, strong, beautiful women. Um, And it's, I think the book is really our version of sharing our culture and our background with the world, giving them some insight and understanding to the things that we've also experienced. And it gives people insight to that, but also into the bravery and the courage and the resilience that anyone can have and anyone can foster. And that these, through these stories, people can know, Hey, like we know that you have something in common with us too. Maybe it's that trial and tribulation. Maybe it's being an entrepreneur. Maybe it's being, you know, um, targeted in some way, shape or form, who knows what it is, but there's always that something that connection you're going to find through any of these stories in the book. And we just believe it's going to inspire. It's going to instill hope. And ideally it will elevate change as we move forward in society. And we're going to teach younger generations to use their voice, no matter who they are, whether they're Asian or not. Love it. Thank you. It's interesting because our last group uh, talked about the, um, the factor of Asian women, the myth of Asian women being shy, that came up regularly throughout the session. You just brought that up just then. And uh, so now the next question I'll be asking each of you will go around the room again is the the challenges that you experienced as an Asian, um, uh, you know, living in an Asian culture, speaking different language and coming into uh, America or being born in America. So can we start with you, Viba? You were from India and you came over uh, in when you got married. 
what were your challenges about being Indian when you came here, came to America? Yeah, actually, first of all, when you come here, uh, you come from a totally different background and uh, it takes time to adjust to a new way of life, Western way of life. But I was fortunate enough to, you know, um, I had enough time to study and make best use of my time. I was at home and uh, my husband didn't want me to even work outside nine to five. So I was privileged. I was doing whatever I always wanted to do. And I was helping him with his business. And for years I did that. And until one day I realized that, you know, you want something where you feel more fulfilled and you are definitely worth more. You have gifts that you should utilize. And I work with all kinds of people from all backgrounds and um, I find that, you know, everybody is same from deep down inside. Everybody has same problems, same issues, same feelings, emotions. We all are same. There's no difference. And I, the challenge was my own challenge. Like, you know, I, for the longest time I was thinking I'm, I'm not ready. I'm yes. not ready to start. I'm maybe, you know, uh, doing it full time as a career. It's okay to do uh, help family and friends, but I'm not ready yet. So, but when I started, I, it gave me more assurance that, yes, this is what I'm, I'm to do. I'm here to help other people with my gifts. And I, I have all kinds of uh, clients, but they are all, all same. I love all of them and they all love me. So I don't know about any other challenge that I had. It was, you know, just it was my own own self. I wasn't ready for the longest time. There was a challenge for me. Great. Thank you for sharing that. That's um, your vulnerability. Uh, and that's interesting to hear because you came to America. Uh, how old were you when you came to America? I was in my early 20s. Early 20s, yeah. So it would have been <laughs> difficult, wouldn't it, coming in? It was. Uh, Whereas you were a child growing up, yeah. Especially, you know, I, I remember, um, you know, a couple of days after I came here, at middle of the night, I was, I looked out of the window. I said, oh, my God, I'm I'm so far from my parents, from my family. It's totally opposite, India and U.S., totally opposite the globe. Yes. <laughs> and I felt so scared because you don't know anybody. You only know your husband. And that also arranged marriage. We were also strangers. We were getting yeah. to know each other. <laughs> it was interesting. <laughs> interesting. That journey. would be a very interesting time. Yeah, oh, we won't go into that right now. <laughs> okay, thank you, thank you, Viva, Sabrina. What were some of the challenges that you experienced growing up as an Asian um, young girl? There are two things I think are big, Ami. One is accent and name. And mm-hmm. I think that's uh, something we also talk about a lot is how do we identify ourselves and just be comfortable about the way we act, the way we speak, and the way we call ourselves. Right? I believe in um, the book, How to Influence uh people and become friends and we t- the best language for anybody is our name now name is uh, uh, what Vivian even um, we chat about before is a way of 
energy in a, a way of representation. So my nickname back in China is Shasha, and then we converted to Sabrina. Also because my Chinese name starts with X, and most people don't know how to pronounce it. I kept it as my middle name. And when I got married, even after I got divorced, I love my last name. My Swedish last name is freaking unique, so I kept it. I kept Sabrina as a Spanish first name. I have a Chinese middle name, and I have a Swedish last name. And then guess what? There's not too many people that can say they have all of that. And then even the last name in the whole U.S. There's only a few of us. So I want to be that rebellious side of me, right? I'm so obedient, obedient about achieving what I want. Um, when we talk about that boundary of saying yes to saying no, I am someone who I'm not always going to make the best judgment, best decision, but I was willing to stick with it because no matter what, I know I can be more resourceful, more activated, more innovative to be able to show empathy. Also, what most difficult for all of us receive. Empathy toward us. I can do that to myself now to get out of any difficult situation. So that means, yes, I grew up with an accent. Even now, right? It, sometimes it just slips out, but it just made me who I am, and, and that's fun. And even when I go to China, my Chinese doesn't sound like with the locals. So what? It just who I am. And、uh, people, you have to embrace that instead of feeling like, "Ooh, I don't want to speak." Now, when I start speaking a few years back, it wasn't the way that I am now. Is very rigid or very structured, and to the point, I'm like, whatever. You know, I have so much in my head, I can just talk and go. I stop even using bullets. I just know a topic and I start rambling. Right? Even I host a, a podcast show called Powerful and Passionate Healthcare Professionals. Even the experts going to my show, I have a pre-interview just so they know there's no set structure. There's no Set questions. So we're just gonna have a conversation, okay? Twenty minutes. That's it. And you just get into the flow of things, and then people recognize you for who you are. And now I even helped our national level of PAs to host a, a Asian empowerment event for healthcare professional because even what patients tell us, right? These judgmental things that. Make us feel hurt, and then yeah, something yeah. when we talk about name, people would say, "Is Sabrina your real name?" Well, well, yeah, it's on my <laughs> medical license. If if you wanted to ask if it's the name I'm born with, no, but real, it's yeah, it's pretty real, I think, right? Like,、uh, and how does that question? Of something real or not affect how well I am being a provider to fix your medical problem? Probably not, right? And now, how is that really coming into the play when we want to make a connection with the person who's sitting across from us? Is there just a false fear that they created for themselves by drinking some poison that I already did from media, from friends, whatnot? What is that really worth our effort to change the perception or leave it as it is? Because we already know who we are, and that's why it's so important to be in this room, be here, and be with these ladies to have this book and this opportunity, and really, truly, just enjoy the ride. 
Excellent. I love that. It's, it's interesting because uh, a fact about myself that you probably wouldn't know is that I was born in Penang in Malaysia, Malaya, Malaysia. And, um, and whenever I tell people and they say, you know, where were you born? I know what I'm going to expect. And I'm going to expect a, a look of, of, of absolute horror or gas or whatever. And so when I say what, uh, where I'm born, I wait and I watch them very, very carefully. And you can see them trying to work out which question they want to ask. And it's usually, so is it your mother or your father? Because I'm very tall, <laughs> and uh, and um, and and they'd say yes, I can see your slanty eyes, and I go, can you now, right? Okay then, and I get a lot of that sort of conversation still to this day, and uh, and uh, I'm incredibly proud to have been born in Penang, Malaya, but it's interesting and the challenges I, I know and understand that you would all experience as you're saying purely just your name. It's, uh, yeah, it's that identity, isn't it? And it's like judgy, judgy. But I just love those words, that itty-bitty, shitty committee of know-it-alls. And it's sort of like that's that group that look at me and go, was it your mother or your father? <laughs> so, oh, I could really play with that. Thank you so much. Vivian, tell us about your challenges, if you would. Um, <sighs> yeah, thank you, thank you. So coming to America from the Philippines, I was just excited. Because I was recruited, though back in the days, they were recruiting physical therapists because there was a shortage. Mm. And so I was just excited because in the Philippines, there's a lot of military bases. So I'm kind of used to people speaking English because my mom and dad actually worked at a Subic Subic Naval Base in Olongapo. So Mm. I heard English a lot. And so when I came, I was excited. It was an opportunity. I came to Texas first. And then of course, met my husband, we got married in Maryland. So moved there, East Coast, and then we wanted to settle down in the in, in California. So I kind of went from state to state. And, and it was fun, because the journey was more um, learning different cultures, right, Texans, and then the East Coast people, I thought they were a little bit snobby. And I, I felt like I didn't belong there. And I was like, well, I guess I shouldn't be here, but California felt like home to me, right? Lots of Asians here. So I thought this would be good. But the main challenge I had literally was, it was more a spiritual challenge, right? Was the stroke. Because when the wake up call happened and I had to change jobs, I that was not what I was expecting. I thought I was going to retire as a physical therapist because I was good at what I do. I did a lot of cancer, you know, like lymphedema, cancer patients, uh, anybody that had difficult diagnosis, I just love working on. Let's see what happens if I can get them back to a normal lifestyle. That was me before. I was excited about learning anything that nobody else can solve. Well, little did I know that that would catapult me to learning beyond the physical, right? Emotional, mental, and spiritual. And that was the journey. And the difficulty arose when I was already here because the switch in the profession and all these things like, yeah, you got to publish a book. You got to be an author, a speaker. And I'm like, what? Like all these things I got to learn now. (laughs) It was like learning a new dance on the dance floor, but it's called the dance floor of life. And I even, by the way, I even took um, 
people don't know this about me, but ballroom dancing, because I thought, well, the best thing for the brain to do is to mm. actually learn something that you don't know about. But then my criteria is I have to have fun with everything I'm doing, even this type of work. So what I fell in love with in the spiritual realm is that you really don't know what to expect. It's kind of like a person is a present <laughs> and you open it up and it's like, oh, what's in here? I don't know. <laughs> so the fascinating thing to me is every case, every client is like a journey. Yes. Yes. We all go through the different phases of life. And sometimes we get stuck along the way. Even I get stuck along the way, right? And the good news is there are people around us that can help us with that. And so when you look at it from a bird's eye view, like it's basically like the 12th floor of a building or like the top floor, the penthouse, right? So when you're looking at things that way, you can see the different layers, like the layers of the cake. And when you peel it off one by one, you can see the magical being that was originally born in that body, not because of, not because of your culture, not yes. because of your tradition, but this human, this spirit within the person, right, is magnificent beyond, because we all have some right. gifts and talents that we carry, that we bring into the world. And the more we can shine as the authentic us, Right? living our purpose individually. Yeah. And as a collective, we make this world a better place. I think that's what matters. So right. we all bring our gifts. We all show up in different ways. The good and the bad, by the way. That's the fun part because we learn from one another. <laughs> so that's the magic I saw there is um, we all have a place here in the world. We just have to show up. Great. I agree. I do agree. Thank you. And our last speaker today, Mary D, could you please share the challenges that you have experienced growing up as an Asian woman? Absolutely. You know, I, I wasn't born in the U.S., Tracy. My mom is Thai, uh, but because my dad is American, I had the privilege of being born a foreign U.S. citizen. Uh, fast forward to my dad moving the whole family to the U.S., my parents divorcing, and then watching me being left to help my mom navigate what it means to survive in America. She had to learn English. She had to figure out how to work and raise me without assistance. And one thing I will say is my mom never told me that I was different. She did instill in me positive words of love and encouragement. She told me I was smart. She told me I could do and be anything. And, and I believe her. Uh, so for any parents listening, I hope that you heard me because your words will shape your children. So please speak life into them so that they will go confidently into the world and know that they can make it. And in hindsight, I also look back on my childhood and I am racially ambiguous. If you take a good look at me, depending on what part of the world you're from, I could be anything. When I'm in Mexico, they think I'm Mexican. When I'm in Hawaiian, Hawaii, they think I'm Hawaiian. <laughs> when I'm in Thailand, they know I'm only half Thai. <laughs> So it really just depends on the, literally the eye of the beholder. I've been called an exotic white girl before as well. So I, I, I cover the whole mix. Um, one of the things I'll say is when I was younger and I look back on my years of elementary school, and it's so funny because I never had this realization until I was an adult, 
But I realized I went to a predominantly Caucasian school and there was this little country bumpkin school out in Texas. And I very distinctly remember these kids that lived in my neighborhood who out in the playground would be like Chinese, Japanese, skinny knees. I don't remember the rest of the sing song, but it was funny because I went, oh, like they have this funny sing song. And in hindsight, like I said, I can see that they were making fun of me now. But as a child, I have to tell you, it, I, I missed it completely. And I'm glad I did. But at the same time, I had to unpack that and say, how is it and why is it that I missed it? And it's because none of those things were true. I'm actually not Chinese. I'm actually not Japanese. And I actually don't have very small eyes. I have pretty big eyes. So because those things weren't true, it didn't land. And I just had this really beautiful thing about me call it favor, call it grace, where I was blind to that kind of negativity. And things like that just didn't land on me. When they said stuff like, hey, do you know karate? I'd be like, yeah, actually, I got a few moves. You want to see them? Like, I was proud of it. Like, I did take karate classes. Yeah, let's throw down. Let me, let's go for a couple rounds. Like, this will be fun. And I think that through that, uh, that's been a good thing because it's translated in my life to me working in male-dominated spaces. Um, I'm typically the only woman sitting on, you know, a male dominated board or a male dominated executive team. Um, Even most of my clients are actually male. And I look at that and I unpack that also and say, what is it? And it's not that I ever showed up and said, oh, I'm less than I never showed up that way. I always said, I'm going to do everything with full confidence. I trust my intuition. I trust my experience. I embrace mistakes. I know how to take risks. And my inner child is ever present. Uh, I'm 40 and I'm still willing to do anything twice. I will try anything twice. Bring it on. And I think that it's that piece of me at the end of the day that stands out the most. It is being able to be blind to some of those limiting beliefs that we can believe if we allow them into our our vision, you know, into our atmosphere. And, uh, and I'd say that even though I've definitely experienced pieces of racism through my life, I've also experienced so much joy and just so much favor in ways that I can only express gratitude for, because I know there are people who, um, you know, are struggling with these things daily. And I would just encourage them to build their confidence, speak up, advocate for themselves, because that's probably one of the things that's always gotten me the farthest is I'm always willing to advocate. I'm always willing to speak up. Oh, great. Thank you so much, Mary D. And the, the, the theme I'm hearing in this group is quite different to the, uh, my last uh, interview. So the theme I'm hearing here is speak up with your voice, use your voice. Mm-hmm. And so to wrap up today, uh, what, uh, Mary, what, what do you, what's the one thing you'd like to see um, come out with this book? I've got one minute. What, what, um, what, what are you hoping you, as a group that you will um, achieve with, the, with your book? I hope that it will inspire others to move forward in the direction of their dreams, that they will not let fear stop them, that they won't let uh, a lack of, oh, I don't know how stop them. Like, there are people out there with no arms and legs out in the world hiking and, you know, uh, surfing and doing wild things. And by all means, the rest of us that are 
here and fully whole have no excuse. Like we can do it. We can do it. And the, the biggest thing is to take that, that six inches between your ears, right? Our mind and our mindset and the thoughts that we, that we think and, and switch those around, make those positive, encouraging thoughts so that you know you can do it. You know it can be done and read our stories. We've all come from, you know, from this wave of like craziness and defeat to a beautiful journey of life that's just unfolded for us because we were consistent and we stuck with it. So don't give up. Thanks for listening to another 60 Minutes of Inspiring Talking Points on Tracy Tully Talks, brought to you by bbsradio.com. Tune in every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Australian time, AEST, and 5 p.m. PT time in America. Leave me a message on my website at www.bbsradio.com forward slash Tracy Tully Talks. If you're interested in lifting the profile, presence, and profit of your business, sponsorship opportunities are available. Until next Thursday, it's goodbye from me.